You're listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. This is session number 004. On this episode, you'll hear Katarina Walter uniquely describe business insights through metaphors of parenting, relationships, and life experiences. Let's get on with the show. Everything you want is on the other side of fear. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast building you to do business better. This show is about intention, transparency, and insights from business professionals sharing their personal business. Discover what they've learned the hard way so you don't have to. Empowering a new breed of self-aware leadership. Here's your host, Angus Nelson. Well, hello there. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast, where we build you to do business better. I'm Angus Nelson. So happy, happy, happy you're here this past weekend. Oh, my goodness. Um, I'm still taking some ibuprofen. I'm a little sore. My wife and I ran in one of those uh, Warrior Dash runs, and it's only like five kilometers in length, uh, interrupted by about 12 different obstacles. The good news is that the very first wave of runners is the competitive one, Um, and then all the rest of them throughout the day are just regular folk like you and I, and it's an amazingly supportive, fun, and adventurous community, and here's why I want to share it with you. As a participant, um, we were forced to face and conquer some of our own personal challenges, and that can look very different for each racer. For us, a little bit of apprehension for myself on heights and my wife, just the challenges of um, the bars and spacing in between them. And and yeah, just great to be able to push ourselves. And I think that's the bigger challenge in it all. It's not so much the time that you're racing against as much as you're just racing against yourself. We were climbing these wooden towers high into the air and trudging through muddy sludge and crawling along dirt under our barriers and barbed wire on our bellies. We were crawling across this uh, rope netting. We crossed a beam uh, that was like 20 feet up in the air while we were being hosed with water and sliding down a 25-foot slide and getting projected into a pond. And at the end, we had to traverse a mud bath on our belly until the very last few yards you could cross the finish line. And it's when you expose yourself to opportunities for personal challenge that's really when you truly discover what you're capable of. And these are the life experiences I think all of us need to expose ourselves to, um, you know, facing challenges, figuring out how to conquer them, and then rising to levels of confidence. And that's a perfect metaphor for what you're about to hear today. On this show, you're going to hear some great parenting and leadership advice um, all combined into one. So if you're listening to it, you're going to get it. And I'm super excited to share it with you. 
Today we speak with the global evangelist at Sprinkler. She is the author of Wall Street Journal's uh, bestseller, Think Like Zuck, The Five Business Secrets of Facebook's Improbably Brilliant CEO, Mark Zuckerberg. And she's also the co-author of the book, The Power of Visual Storytelling, How to Use Visuals, Video, and Social Media to Market Your Brand. She's a speaker about leadership, business culture, and marketing innovation, and contributes to many prestigious magazines you've certainly read. Today I'm talking to a Katarina Walter. Let's get into the interview right now. Doing good, Angus. Thanks for having me on the show. And of course, I, I would be remiss if I didn't say Strasvice. <laughs> Love it, love it. Uh, straight into the second language. Uh, so I actually spent two months in the in the former Soviet Union, so I always like to spring what little vocabulary I have. So I'm going to try again, because you were born in that former Soviet Union, a point that we'll come back to shortly. You're best well known for Nova Vindie. <sighs> I'm killing, I'm <laughs> crushing. <Vindie. laughs> Nova Vindinie? No, that's great. That's great. I was going to say, when you say that, when you said hi, Zdrastvuti in Russian, it was just, it was so clear. You know, usually that's a word that a lot of uh, people struggle with pronouncing clearly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you, you're doing good. You're doing good so far. Ochin Harasho. Ochin Harasho. Ochin Harasho. Which means very, very good. Well, so yes. I was trying to say innovation in Russian. That's that right. a little messy, but we tried. So I want to jump <laughs> right into your expertise. The top conversations today, uh, Uber and Airbnb, excuse me, turn social interactions into physical monetary exchanges. In addition, 3D printing is birthing an impact on retail and then apps like Instagram and Snapchat. Now we have live video streaming apps like Meerkat, Periscope, and Facebook Mention. All of those are an acceleration. How do you think your most recent book, The Power of Visual Storytelling, is uh, even more relevant today than when it first came out? Great question. And, and by the way, I'm, um, I love watching the whole new makers movement and the collaborative economy and, and how that really reshapes the innovation of business, right? I mean, we'll look at, at sort of the average lifespan of, of Fortune 500 companies and it's shrinking so much. And, you know, you look at the companies, iconic companies like I don't know, uh, Kodak being replaced by really cool, innovative com- companies who, who produce a lot of content, like GoPro, for example. Mm-hmm. You look at Netflix, you know, pretty much killing off Blockbuster, you know, and, and you're looking at Airbnb and Uber and others just redefining um, what what uh, innovation means. And I think the biggest reason why this is happening is because of a huge shift with people going from, you know, the the whole behavioral shift of consumers from collecting things to collecting experiences, to Mm -hmm. sharing experiences, right? And so the reason why I bring that up and why the shift is so important is with the rise of social, this is what we're becoming about. We're about um, experiencing the world and sharing what we're experiencing with others. And how do we usually do it? We do it through visuals. If you if you sort of draw the the parallel between why the rise of social, how our, our behavior is changing, the the rise of millennial generation that that first of all has a high BS rater and second of oh, all just sure. um, yeah. values different things, different approaches, right? Uh, a more collaborative environment. They'd rather reuse things than buy new ones, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so you look at all of the whole shift happening on so many fronts. You know, you see that experiences 
not only were um, the most important thing for for people, whether they engage with you know small businesses, large brands, or any organization really, but they're becoming the driving force for it all. And again, the way the content is being created, the way the content and or co-created, the way we engage with it and the way we consume that content changes, right? So, so no matter who you are, where you are, what social network you are, what um, what channel you are, offline, online, it doesn't matter. What matters is with the big influx of sharing economy and just all this information and all the options that people have, not just for products, right, but services more so than products anymore um right the way for for brands to stand out is through telling the stories and not only that telling those stories visually so if you look at at how human brain processes visuals right 60,000 times faster uh we process our visuals than we process the text and and a lot more data on that but but just psychologically and from marketing perspective as this sort of um, noise increases, there should be some filters and people are using um, variety of filters to figure out what content do they um, consume, right? And so that that becomes that sort of visual storytelling becomes the key um, the key driver for us to stand out from the noise. And you know it's no different than what happened years back when we had to figure out how to stand out from the noise in traditional media because it was just only one way. Now there's two-way conversation, but it's in so many channels across so many, um, you know, content types and, and et cetera, et cetera, right? On so many devices um, that it becomes even more complex of a problem. So so visual storytelling along with things like advocacy, right, and friend mm-hmm. recommendations, et cetera, become a critical driver for, for us to... Um, be able to be the ones that that people would want to not only engage with but buy from um, on the long term. In regards to this visual uh, element, you also have some convictions about how to use visual elements and content pieces from a, a position of generosity. Can you maybe share a little bit what you mean by that? You know, it all stems back to, to the whole problem of people asking this this very fundamental question, is business about money or is business about relationships? And and it's funny to me, we'll look at we're so consumed, especially in U.S., we're so consumed by this, um, you know, Wall Street sort of approach of short-term gains versus long-term gains, right? Mm-hmm. And obviously the answer to this question by most people is, oh my God, money, right? Money, right. money or revenue is, is the, the whole journey, but, but that actually is wrong. Money is a result of the journey. It's a result mm-hmm. of a culture and a company you're trying to build. To me, the most important measure of business success is relationships, right? It's relationship capital. And it doesn't matter it's whether it's relationship capital with your employees or with your investors or with your vendors and partners or most importantly with your customers. It is a relationship capital with everybody around you because your brand and your company is what people say it is. It's that perception of your brand is what your brand really is, not what you say it is. And so what starts happening is is, is people look at revenue as a key drive and they go, that's the biggest salary. That's a result 
of being on the journey in the right way, of building those relationships with customers. And, and more and more, right, people expect you to listen. People expect you to elevate the human in your business. Mm. They expect uh, you to respect them. So, you know, it's the same with the, re- the personal relationships. You have the same thing going on with the relationship with your customers. So, so when we say the words are jargon that, that, that now became, um, now the words, important words like customer first or, or, you know, experience management that you create for your customers, right? It, it became a jargon, but it is still though that relationship capital is the most important thing in the world. And so that's going back to your question about generosity. That's what it's all about. How does the idea of generosity, idea of humanity, plays into your revenues? The same way it plays, it plays um, in the impact of your personal relationship with your friends, with your spouse, right, yeah, yeah. with your children. It is all about relationships. If a business is all short-term focused, revenue focused, to me, it's a such short-term mentality, right? And it's mm-hmm. not focused on long-term, on relationship. Yes, it is the hardest thing to develop. But once you build that relationship capital, it's a critical thing. And so what is relationship capital in a very simple terms for a business? It's, it's all those relationships they, they develop with their customers. To develop that, well, customers and people around them, to develop that, you need to deliver. You need to respect them and elevate them above mm-hmm. everything else. Um, and you need to make sure that every single touch point and interaction you have with them gives them that sense of you care you know who i am you Mm -hmm. know how much i buy from you and how much i am the advocate of your brand or something bad happened and you fixed it because you know that that is this relationship is important to you if we as companies do not show that right do not in in whatever ways that is and we we don't catch um, that, you know, frustration or an issue or God knows we even aggravate that the person can go across the street and buy from our competitors. I mean, every year, Angus, we have mm. in the U.S. alone over 30,000 new products launch. And Gardner says that by I think it's like 2020 in the U.S., 89 percent of the businesses will compete on service alone. Anybody can copy a product. Anybody mm-hmm. can copy a lot of things. But what they can copy is the culture and the customer first mentality. Is mm-hmm. you setting up people, processes, technology, um, the company, the culture around that respect for the customer and mm-hmm. showing them that you give a damn. Yeah. Not even that you care, that you really truly give a damn, right? Like yeah. it's, it's that, that important. And to me, if you do that, you build relationship capital. If you build relationship capital, revenue will follow. I mean, we've seen this happen with multiple companies. We've seen, you know, Amazon buy out one of their bigger competitors, Zappos, for for a hell of a lot of money. Why? They sold the same product. Yeah. They sold the same product at a more expensive price. Why would they need to buy them? Well, because they, you know, they valued something else, and that is a customer service and and the customer first attitude and and creating experiences for customers that are above all else. So, so to me, I think, you know, generosity is one of the factors that plays into building that relationship capital. 
Facebook and uh, Facebook ad seems to be almost trying to teach some of these brands uh, this element of value added. Even in, in p- placing ads, they're encouraging whoever's putting out the product, whether it's a brand or maybe it's a, a thought leader or something. Whoever's trying to offer something, they're trying to encourage them to make it so that it's valuable, add value to your audience. And so I think that's working twofold. One is it's it's helping train businesses to think in the right direction. But at the same time, I think it's also trying to support the kinds of advertising that is churning, you know, through your feed so that, you know, if people target you because of your likes and interests, it's not just a sell, but rather it's something that adds or contributes to your, you know, well-being or your knowledge base or what have you. It, it's all about adding value. And if, if a person gives you access to information, which will now have a lot of access to information and people know that they're freely giving away um, a, a big chunk of information about themselves. Their expectation is, look, you can find whatever you need to find about me. You have the data. You have that access. Now I expect you to provide value and value could be your right in in either a specific targeting that actually doesn't interrupt me, but but more getting sort of includes in the conversation. So if I'm looking for something real time, then the even advertisement needs to be not post-targeting, but pre-targeting, right? Mm-hmm. I don't care that you target me with, I just bought a, a dress and you're targeting me all over the net with um, all those other dress sites and dresses that are already seen. And actually, heck, I bought already. <laughs> I rechose it, right, right? right? I mean, I, right? I, I want you to know when I am actually in the process while I'm deciding, right? Mm-hmm. But we, we're not there yet without traditional advertising. You know, uh, we, we're, our expectation is that we're, uh, that, that when you talk to me, your response is personalized. So whether you send me, you know, a personalized response that shows your knowledge of who I am, you know, social net. So if I'm on the phone with you and you go, Oh, well, hi, Mr. Johnson. I see, you know, I see you, you, um, had this issue in the past. Let us help you solve it. Or I also see you bought X, Y, and Z. Now, interestingly, we have a new product coming up that complements it. You know, it, it's up to you whether you're interested, but we just wanted to let you know. Oh, we, we see you complain on, on social in the past couple of days. Thank you for calling our customer service support. Um, we know we, we, we can see the history of the issue. How can we help you? Mm-hmm. Right. But most of the businesses, somebody calls and they have no clue of a context of who you are. Are, whether you're there to close the account and you're a customer who's been loyal for 10 years and now you're pissed um, mm-hmm. just because they didn't catch that chatter because they didn't they didn't have their systems together and you're so broken down and siloed internally mm-hmm. that you don't even have a 360 degree view neither of your current customers nor of your prospects right and you can't you can serve them even at a very basic level. I mean, forget delighting them, right? Just, mm-hmm. just, just even just basically providing a very basic service. All of those things are an issue. And, and you're right. Facebook is trying to kind of do advertising in the way where it adds value. And it's really tough to do. It's a really tough mm-hmm. balance, especially with half of the world population being millennials, right? Yeah. Um, that the expectations change their way way more sort of cynical they're way more informed and they they're just not going to take anything right anymore though so you have to be absolutely on top of your game 
You also kind of speak to that attention span that's probably also with millennials and a digital generation that it's becoming shorter and shorter. Absolutely. You know, the, um, it's funny because when you compare current attention span, scientists say that adult attention span is shrinking every year. And now it's about latest data shows between three and eight seconds. So you literally have two and a half to three seconds to, to grab somebody's attention. Well, it's now lower <laughs> lower than the goldfish so let's congratulate ourselves you know our attention span is lower a goldfish attention span is like nine seconds and ours is lower than that so it's like this is this is the world we live in we live now in the now economy where where the customers have all those expectations you and i just talked about and when i talk about the importance of advocacy the importance of visual storytelling to really you know grab somebody's attention in an interesting way importance of doing heart marketing versus head marketing mm. right um nobody cares about your white paper with a lot of data what they care about is what do you stand for and and what is what you do means to you and how can people relate then they're going to look at your products and your company then then you're going to impress them how do you connect with them on an emotional level so when I talk about the having a 360 degree view of a customer, right, all those things, they play an important role. They have to come together as a strategy, either it's a company strategy or um, your digital strategy or your content strategy, it doesn't matter, but it needs to be combined and play well together. But, you know, big companies, it's, it's hard to change. It's like changing the course of a tanker, right? It's mm-hmm. so painful and so slow. Um, but we don't have time. We're running out of time. You you want to stay in Fortune 500 list um, for more than 10 years. You you got to react now. So I want to ask you a question kind of uh, related to social media from a different perspective. I work with an, uh, a number of uh, people who work in this marketing space. And one of the things I, I heard a comment the other day about um, their employees, and particularly even small business entrepreneurs may even fall into this too, but they feel like they're sometimes experiencing burnout due to the dynamic speed at which technology and tools are changing. And in this space, you have to kind of be a lifelong learner in order to stay relevant. So what perspective or advice would you give someone who might be feeling overwhelmed in the magnitude of all things social? My my advice uh, to catch up with this is, I think, several fold. One is just... (laughs) Build a network of people who can help you do things better and faster than everybody else. So here's what I mean Mm. by that. You can be the best self-learner in the world, but you will still have gaps in your knowledge that somebody else can fill. So um, when I was, you know, when I was at Intel and we were one of the first companies building um, sort of becoming a social business globally from scratch, we were one of the very first who didn't outsource it. And so... We knew that the certain things we knew and certain things that we didn't. So what I did, and I would meet my peers, my other brands uh, in the industry who would be working on some things that we haven't yet gotten to. Or I would know folks from the agencies and different vendors who would be doing um, support on, on, on the, exactly on what we need in the next you know, 5 to 12 months that I know we kind of need but I don't know much about. And you would use that network to exchange knowledge, to exchange ideas, and to figure out what is it that you're missing. And we were able not only do things faster, but I was able to avoid some really critical mistakes that would put my project back six months, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so one of one of my, of my pieces of advice is nobody's a self-made man. We're all made of, of our 
you know, networks and people we know and, and knowledge of others. You, you cannot know everything. So build that network that will help you get to where you need to go faster and more in a more effective way on less budget. So that's one. And second one, you're absolutely right. Burnout. I mean, Ariana Huffington talks a lot about it in her book Thrive. And I heard her speak and I actually was able to talk to her um, personally about this. And, you know, her point on this is as employers, if we if we work people to the ground without giving them an opportunity to to recharge and create a culture of being a workaholic, but not respect the boundaries of the work-life balance, mm-hmm. we, we're not going to get far. I mean, I've seen this over and over where people burn out within a year or two mm-hmm. and they're young people, right? And then they just move on. You just lose people. But that retention is also insanely critical point of your success as a company and as a person or as a team leader, right? Mm-hmm. So, so a second piece of advice I would have for people who are kicking ass and they are great self-learners and they have huge success is find find your balance point and make sure that every year you take some time to recharge and spend time with your family. Because I personally got to a point, Angus, where I went without vacation or I would say without vacation where I wouldn't mm. be constantly connected for like three plus years. And at some point I found myself in a space where I was absolutely just cornered Mm. i i needed to leave all the tech behind i needed to spend time with the family i needed to recharge and and i was at almost a breaking point and if not for catching it in time a lot of people really um you know have health consequences and also also just they they just burn out mentally and Mm -hmm. and they they're not able to build their careers on a trajectory that, that, that they need to be going on right which is it's not a race, it's a journey. From point A to B, there's also point C and D and Z and others, right? Yeah. So, so you need to, you, you really need to be very careful about how you do this. But that's, it's so personal for everybody. It's kind of hard to give that advice, right? The person needs to figure it out for themselves. I mean, I can obviously relate to that. I want to transition a little bit and look backwards, kind of related to this, you know, before your current role at as a global evangelist at Sprinkler, you were co-founder and CMO of uh, Branderati. Before that, you worked as social media strategist and innovator at Intel and some other big brands. You've been recognized as top 10, 20, 30, depending on whose list and what magazine it is. You've had an amazing career so far, and yet you've had some setbacks. And it you came from probably a place that didn't start out as so prestigious, back in the beginning in your childhood and growing up. <laughs> Can you maybe kind yes. of tell some of the story of of how you grew up and maybe some of the influence that your your grandmother and your mom and and family played? I you know, I grew up in an environment where I mean, I grew up in Russia and you know, that when I was little there was there's only certain and I don't I don't want to be radical about it, but there's, you know, certain paths that women were expected to take and not necessarily without career and just stay at home and, and raise family, which is also, by the way, to me, women who do that, they're heroes. I, 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 I couldn't do that because it's just such parenting is like the hardest job in the world you have. So I, I run away into my sort of career, mm. um, career focused sort of uh, passion. You know, there's certain expectations that you had. And when I was growing up, I never thought I'm going to be where I am. I mean, in the back of my mind, somewhere really, really far, I would say, 
I thought, well, one day, I always liked writing, so one day maybe I'll write a book, and but, you know, maybe it won't happen, and it's just something that you kind of had. You know, I wanted to get an MBA in, in an American school, which I, I did do, but again, you kind of look at it as something so far away, and it's the same when people ask me, well, my gosh, how did you amass so many, you know, followers, and you have this whole community, and you have this big network, and I never thought I was going to have that. I mean, each one of us was a nobody, right? right? I mean, we all started as a nobody. I mean, I didn't have, I didn't have uh, much support except for support of my family. You know, I, I, I was one of the ones that built everything from scratch. You look at me and and you ask, you know, how do you do it? It's not impossible, trust me, because I don't have a specific insane talent, right? I'm not extremely gifted. I'm, I'm just, I'm just really passionate person who's who was lucky enough to find my passion, to understand what it is and to capitalize on it in a way where, you know, you work very hard and you create something cool. And, you know, if you're lucky, you look at the trends ahead and you realize this is what's coming. How do I capitalize on this? So when I took a job at, at Intel that, that, that got me to helping create sort of social media center of excellence and my, my sort of path in digital, it was a temporary assignment. People thought I was crazy. People said, why are you doing? You're dropping your full-time job to go help on something temporary that's not going to stick around, that will just, you know, go away. And then you're going to have to find a group called home and do all those things. And I said, yeah, that's that's what I'm going to go do. And mm-hmm. do you think I didn't have doubts? <laughs> yeah, everybody does. You, It's not about having chops. It's about, you know, it's it's not about a lack of fear. It's about having chops to to actually go go ahead and, and take a risk and try out something new. And so I, I think it's a combination. It's a combination of, number one, support of my family and my husband and, you know, who, God bless his soul, stays at home with my with my daughter when I have to do all this travel and I work a ton, right? Secondly, a really a passion to figure out what is the cool stuff you want to build. So it's a passion for building something, whether it's no matter how small it is, and probably a little bit of insight to try to figure out, look ahead and figure out what is coming and where do you need to pivot your career without being stuck in a rut, without being left behind. You know, I think a combination of all of that and then a heavy load of hard work on top of this, Mm -hmm. right? You combine all of that plus a ton of hard work um, I think I think you you sort of got your recipe. And look, look at me. If anybody can do it, if I mean, if I can do it, then anybody can do it. And I can. I swear to God. So I, I think it's it's just figuring out where you want to be and wanting it bad enough and work hard enough to go get it. And then also, like I said, network. Right. right. You need to make sure you can't do it alone. Make sure you have a good support system and also network, network, network. Never eat lunch at your desk alone. Pick at least, you know, a couple of days where you go out and whether it's within people internally you work with to get to know them together and make them your ally internally or it's people externally, whatever that is, you know, build that out around yourself. And and I think with those critical elements, uh, I think you, you, you can do whatever you need to do, whatever you want to do. Was there ever a time where it didn't seem so possible for you? Oh, there's always a time. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I remember the time in my career where I was um, given a new job. About a couple months after that, I um, I was left without a manager. Somebody temporary came in for three months, couldn't care less about what we're doing, left six months without a manager. And, you know, a year later when I, you know, beat the records, when I established the processes that are still, you know, years later being used in the same 
space by the same company and and with the, with the huge business impact, right? Somebody looked at me and said, decided that I wasn't doing a good enough job. It wasn't it wasn't enough. Nobody actually took the time to dig into the numbers. They basically said, you just you just need you just need to, you know, just do better or whatnot, right? right. And and you sit there and you're thinking, oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, and and I need I need to do better. Here's all my numbers. Here's all the data to support what are the cool things we've done, and that's just after a year being on the job. So, you know, after a while you decide, okay, well, so you're not appreciated. Well, so people don't get it. Well, so people didn't take time to dig into this and really talk to people who know. Um, so, you know, you don't have manager to support you. Fine. If people here don't think you can do it, get, get out of your, get out of your, you know, depressed state that your career is on the rocks and in the shambles and you, just pivot. And, mm-hmm. and once you pivot, you find and look for people who would appreciate your knowledge. Look at, for the teams that you would have fun working with. And you just leave. The problem that we have as people are so scared. We're afraid. We think there's no other choice. Mm-hmm. We think there's no way out. And we stay in this miserable environments we're in. And there's always way out, no mm-hmm. matter what. So you just, you know, talk to people, be a bit more visionary, open your sort of horizons to what might be possible, even within that same company you're in, because there's always cool things happening or cool opportunities. You just need to give yourself enough time to do that research. So first of all, don't be lazy. Second of all, just kind of just 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 be a little bit brave. That's all you need, just a little bit of bravery. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, your title of innovation, innovator, or however you want to label that. Uh, in this day and age, you have to innovate your career, even for you um, and every step that you've just oh, described, you're constantly Absolutely. innovating. And I think the future of work and some of the studies we've done, I mean, that's kind of it. I'm, I'm telling my 20 year old daughter who's in college right now, I said, depending on where you decide to go with this, I said, it's very possible that you could graduate with a degree that's com- completely irrelevant. Exactly. Exactly. Everything moves so fast and as long, but, but, you know, people look at it and they go, you know, that those things that you get all the time, probably when you're on stage, you go, well, these are all great examples, but what about B2B, right? When you have a boring product or you get, Mm. well, but what about this situation where you have a niche audience? It doesn't matter. There's always some sort of community and just like, you know, for you to engage in and they all want and look for content and building relationships with you, no matter whether you're B2B or B2C, there's no such thing as boring product because somewhere, somewhere in the world is using it. So mm-hmm. it's the same with your career. You know, every, even if you have a niche focus, you can always pivot it because nothing, not one single, you know, theme, topic, trend, you know, a career, nothing stands still. There's always some innovation to be had. Find your niche, find that mm. open gap that nobody else wants to put a work into fixing, fix it, then grow, fix a bigger problem, then a bigger problem. And you become very well known in that particular industry area, you know, whatever that is for somebody who is trying to look ahead. Even if you're wrong half the time, people will appreciate the fact that somebody's stepping out and saying, but what about this? But what if we did that? Right? Really asking questions that everybody else is too busy to ask because they're in their cubicles doing their day to day, never asking you, why can't we do it different? Yeah. So. so, on that same note of doing it different, how do you see facing? I guess as as a as a whole 
in the corporate and then as in your space and social, um, how is that addressed as a woman? Well, you know, I luckily I've never really had any issues that or of seeing really tough discrimination. Now, I grew up in country where where I think even to this day, there is some um, and I won't call it discrimination. I think mm-hmm. a, a lot of ways, even in U.S. as a, as a country who, that is very advanced, it's more of a subconscious bias. You know, I mean, some people that I work with, they they fully believe that they're not biased against, you know, specific cultures or 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 gender. But and and they talk about the fact that they're not biased all the time. But but we see it in little things, in in mm-hmm. little actions, because it's just been so it's been there for so long, right? I think there's you always come across, even if you're not you know, directly discriminated against and you're lucky to work really great teams, you always see some sort of subconscious bias, no matter who you are, you know, whether it's female, male, or, or any other type of discrimination. Now, I, I've been lucky personally to not see the, the, the full big impact. And it may be because I don't look for it. And maybe it, because I don't pay that much priority to it, just because I grew up in an environment where I know I know what a deep discrimination might potentially look like. But but I will I will tell you that it's really sad that we have all this data that shows how many female-owned businesses actually succeed on so many levels, and and we ignore that data, and we are not really doing anything with it. We're not looking at our companies and saying, well, we'll find the specific you know breed of women who want to be leaders and who want to, you know, to do it. It's a it's a human issue. It's not just female male issue, right? It's it's a it's a conversation um, that needs to be had overall across the board you know i've been on the tech side right most of my career and do i see it absolutely i see it but uh, but i see it also externally more so i mean look at all the conversations that have been going on in the media about you know silicon valley and startups and how you know female co-founders or founders um sort of are treated etc i mean it's just i don't think it's 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 something that can be sold overnight, mm-hmm. sold overnight. But but this is something that we all need to pay very close attention to. You know, stay on course of of respecting anybody, no matter of what gender or race or whatever. Whoever contributes and innovates the most, give them an opportunity to shine. Give them an opportunity to um, to do the best they can. I mean, we have so many amazing people of young generations that are not even brought to the spotlight even though they save the company millions of dollars or they they work their butts off because we just think well there needs to be a trajectory they're way too young to be a vp they're way too whatever right whatever the excuse we have i think we need to move away from that and that's where i think startup world a lot of times is actually cool because you can have somebody like that come in and immediately own a huge chunk of responsibility if they get stuff done. But I mean, I think bigger companies needs to definitely to catch up to that. And just overall, I think needs to need to realize that subconscious bias is there. What are the things that we can do to um, sort of eliminate as much as we can? But but I think it's just people supporting people, to be honest with you. That's all it comes mm-hmm. down to. I think you've been just an awesome um, role model and inspiration for a lot of young ladies. So hats off to you for that. Oh, um, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate and, it. And one young lady um, that I want to turn my attention to would be your daughter. What, That's right. What lessons 
um, are you being intentional upon in helping her to innovate her own future or to be proactive in preparing her? Wow, it's interesting. I've been thinking about it a lot. Um, And I've been talking to her about it a lot because now that she's six, you know, you could have a a sort of meaningful conversation that makes sense. You know, several things. I've always told people I may not be the role model uh, of of a parent um, just just because. I don't know what the role model would be. You know, I don't know what the perfect parenting is and if there's such a thing as a perfect parent, but I'm, I'm definitely, there's things I can work on. But I said, I, I tell people that if there's one thing I leave my daughter with uh, growing up is confidence, mm-hmm. because I believe no matter who you are, or where you are, what your circumstances are, if you have that confidence that shines through in everything, right? People know and, and immediately understand who you are. You can connect with people better. Um, you know where you want to be. You can get on the trajectory, on the path to success, whatever that success means to you. It could be just being a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. Whatever, just knowing, having that confidence to know who you are and what do you call success in your life. Not somebody else's. The confidence enough not to follow the crowd, but define for yourself who you are. So if I can just give her one thing, it would be confident. Mm-hmm. And then the second one is not to spoil her, right? Because I can. At this point in my life, I can't afford to do it, but I don't want to. And But most importantly, it's not even about spoiling your kid. It's about making them a leader. And the way you make them a leader is letting them figure it out for themselves, letting them fail and, and learn what that feels like, letting them succeed and learn what that feels like. I, I'm... I'm Highly against all this, what do you call those trophies that everybody gets, right? Participation. In, in, yes, participation <laughs> yeah. awards or trophies. Those, this is crap. The reality is that's not how real life goes. So if, if a kid sits on sidelines and they didn't do anything and, and they cry that they didn't get a shiny toy that everybody else got, that's just you're not preparing them for real life. But, but most importantly, she needs to figure out things on her own. So, for mm-hmm. example, she would come to me and go, Mommy, I, I ask her to do a task and she comes back and goes, you know, mommy, I, I don't know how to. Okay, honey, figure it out. Well, mommy, I, I, it's not working out very well. Okay, well, keep trying, right? Knowing that kids have the path to figure out if they don't know something, they don't understand something, they don't just go and have somebody help them. They become their own entrepreneurs. They mm-hmm. figure out the solutions themselves, even if it's not perfect, even if they fail. First of all, you give them that confidence to do so. But second of all, those are, I think, the leadership skills of, of them being the leader. And I don't care about if they're leader of the team or a company. They're the leader of their own life to begin with. If they mm-hmm. can figure out how to self-learn, self-motivate, and, and find solutions to their own problems, I can pass away from this world knowing yeah. that my child is going to be okay. Yeah. So, I think I don't I, know. That is I, just my two cents. <laughs> I think I think that you just gave some leadership principles that don't just apply to your daughter, but just leadership in general and having the humility anyway, to ask yeah. when you need help, et cetera, et cetera. Well, uh, there another favorite quote of mine, and I actually have it visually designed. So I, if you, if you want, I can send it to you. And I don't remember who said it, but it's everything you want is on the other side of fear. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because that's what it is. Everything you want is on the other side. So you just you just need to you know you need to just let go and and take risks and stuff. When stuff doesn't work out, it hits you hard. I get that. Like mm-hmm. I get that. But 
But, you know, the reason why I'll tell you, like, the reason why I decided to go on startup side is because I've just been so entrepreneurial, even being on the big brand side, mm-hmm. right? I, you know, I, I build things that nobody else has built. And then I gave them, you know, I managed them, gave them somebody else to manage. And that's why internally at Intel, I was known as innovators because um, I would, uh, or actually incubator more, more, more so because mm-hmm. I would just I'd come up with ideas, create a plan, scale it across the company and then once it's working give it to somebody else to manage go do it again with other stuff and not a lot of people can do that um just because they you know they want to be handed playbook at least to a certain point right mm-hmm. and and so it's um you know i have to tell you like if if you don't if you don't really you know just and and it's it's not easy right because you're afraid you're like okay mm-hmm. so it's it's all about having more balls than than fear, right? It's right, like, right. do I do I just actually go? And and everybody's afraid. Hell, I don't know. It's yeah. just everybody has that. Everybody has doubts. So you're like, yeah. oh my god, can I do it? But like to me, like to me, that type of reality is is the best. Is is when you are afraid. When you're not afraid, the opportunity is not cool enough, right? It just isn't. Yeah. And and so when I I told my husband, I'm like, I want to try startup side because I've just been so entrepreneurial. Um, you know, and, and there's just on the corporate side, always some sort of limitations. And I said, you know, you have a job, you know, my daughter is pretty small right now. If I don't try it right now, next five years is going to be too late. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so that's the reason why I, I went on the startup side and, and I learned a ton. I mean, I only been here for two years and even, you know, last year at Sprinkler, it's not necessarily startup anymore, right? It's, (laughs) we have a thousand employees, right. And, and, and we're on an insane trajectory. we we grow three X every year for three years now. And, and, and so, but it's still startup, startup enough, right? Culture, yeah. everything where, you know, a lot of things, but, but there's just the amount of stuff that I learned is insane. And, and I just, I'm so grateful. I, I jumped the ship and, you know, and left Intel cause that's a cushy mm-hmm. place to have. I mean, these guys paid for my MBA, you know, they have great bonus structures. They have, you know, they have high expectations as highly competitive but but it's 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 cushy. So you get yeah. used to cushy, right? I've been there for eight years. So you get used to and the same with Accenture and my previous gigs, right? You get cushy and you're like, Well, why would I leave? And then before yeah. you know it, it's twenty years and you haven't tried things that you might want to try. You said a quote and as we wrap up here, um, I just wanna share this quote that really touched me and I actually got a little emotional. I was watching uh, your video from your TED talk, uh, your uh, Ted Peachtree. Um, oh, that's right. Back in 2010 or 11 or so. And at the end of that, you said this. No matter what life throws at me, I have my grandmother's resolve, my mother's constant nudge to try again, my father's unwavering belief in me, my little sister's humor, my husband's strong shoulder, and their infinite love. And if you have that and live in the land of the free, nothing is impossible. Ekaterina, I think you have lived the American dream and where some have grown cynical and some who have said that the American dream is dead. I think um, it's very much alive to those who choose. And like you said about being a woman in tech or in corporate, it's what you focus on. If you want to use that as an excuse or a hurdle, well, then that's what it's going to be. But if you put your eyes on the prize, all things are possible. So for that, Small steps. yeah, Ekaterina Spasiba Bushoy, thank you very much. Pajalska. If uh, people want to find you, how would they go about doing so? Google.com. <laughs> 
I, my website, I'm on all social networks. I try to answer every, um, every inquiry that gets thrown at me whenever. So google.com is it. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Ekaterina. Take care. Thank you. I'm really thankful for Katarina for this great interview. She's really shared a, a lot of wisdom and insights. And one of the things I'd like to highlight is in the comments that she made regarding innovating your own career. There are very few people in this day and age who maintain a job for, say, 25 years plus, uh, only to end up with their celebratory uh, gold watch. I don't know, do they even do that these days? Um, and with the acceleration of technology, there currently are jobs and uh, titles that exist that never even were heard of only five or 10 years ago. And even for myself, I graduated from college um, with a degree in youth ministry, and then I got into nonprofits, and then I became a speaker for Monster.com, and then I uh, was into social media marketing, and then finally working with the corporate executives I work with today. I didn't follow any specific trajectory, and most likely you haven't either. I've continued to build my experiences upon one another as I progress. And I suppose I didn't really even recognize that until as of recent. And I wish I could tell you that I was like super brilliant and I planned out my path. I simply kept exploring and learning. And again, I think many of you have done the same. You know, it's the power of technology like watching YouTube videos and reading books and blogs and tinkering with other online tools and attending conferences, expanding your network, meeting new people, experiencing new things. This is the process of being a self-learner. And ultimately, I think my biggest lesson in all of this was not to give up on my journey. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're not happy with what you're doing um, what place you are at in life, I want to encourage you to keep listening to podcasts um, that like this or others. Um, I'm just sure that as you learn and you expose yourself to new perspectives and what else is available out there, at some point in time, something's going to click in your mind and in your heart. And you'll discover new um, perspectives and opportunities that you can leverage with what you already know and then discover something that to you will be far more fulfilling. And if there's something specifically you'd like to learn about, I really want to help you. And if you can just go to upinyourbusiness.co.co and send me a note, I want to hear from you, um, and I, I want to find people um, that might help you, people that I can interview or insights that maybe have helped to you, or even building resources and tools that you can use. I want to do what I can do from my end to help you succeed. Um, in addition, you can come to uh, our private um, Up In Your Business uh, group on Facebook, um, it's a place of, for conversation and unique content. Um, there, 
you can just simply request uh, to come in the group and I'll make sure you get entry there. Um, and I would love for you to just kind of contribute to the conversation and, and help learn alongside others. Um, and lastly, I have a free book for you. And I really want to know what you think about this show um, because as you share ratings of the show, that helps us go up in, in rankings in iTunes and expose the show to other people, more people for that matter. And for the first 100 views, I'm sending a free digital copy of my book, Love's Compass. So after you place your review, simply send a note uh, to me through the website and just let me know that you place a review and I'll be sure to send a copy your way. So that's really what I have for you today. Again, expose yourself to things that are going to progress you in life, inspire you in life, get your mind to think bigger, that your heart can dig deeper, and that you can see yourself a part of something bigger than yourself. I'm so very happy you stopped by today. And please spread the word about um, this community and let's keep building it together. Have a fantastic day and be amazing. Thanks for listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. Find more at upinyourbusiness.co. Remember, that's .co, not com. I was trying to remember, I was trying to describe um, how you and I first met to my wife. I know, oh I know it was at South by, did we, do we prank you? Okay. This, okay. Yes. This was the worst experience ever. I actually use you and, and, and Marcus um, as an example of what not to do. And, and I tell people <laughs> that story and they roll. I mean, um, every freaking time they yeah. love their ass off. Then you come up and you just start talking to them like, Hey, and I just, you know, can't just just pick up where we cut off, you know, with with Marcus last time, and I'm like, okay, how's this? How's that? And 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 I'm like, something is off. And then Marcus taps me on the shoulder in the back, and I go, oh hey. And then I turn around, and that's where it hits me. I look at both of you, and I'm like, son of a bitch. <laughs> it pranked me. It's not easy to prank me. It is not easy to prank me, man. I still remember that moment. I remember the bar we were at, that's and my memory's awesome. not that great, but. I remember that prank. I, I, and I, I am yet to get back to, to two of you. Trust me, it's going to happen. Um, I'm going to get back at you. So I, I, like, to, I like to say uh, make an impression. Good or bad makes no difference. Just make an impression. <laughs> it's experience, right? And now we have things to talk about. Now we have things to tell other people. And, and it's amazing. See, that's exactly what I'm talking about. It's, it's not about your product. It's not about your brand. It's about... What is it that experience that you create for people? And hopefully it's more a positive or funny like this one versus like a negative one. But, <laughs> but you know, you can even leave impression with a negative one. I mean, it can make a story for life. Mm -hmm. I'm a storytelling, man. Awesome. I'm a storytelling. Brilliant. Yeah, Brilliant. you suck, man. I, <laughs> I, I'm going to get back at you. I swear to God, I'm going to find an opportunity and an idea. Trust me. It's got to happen. Uh.